Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about what we left off on last week, cultivating a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Cultivating a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians 1.16, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayer. So here's Paul. He's been at Ephesus. He's preached at Ephesus. There's been an amazing revival at Ephesus so that people are burning millions of dollars of satanic books and idols. And I mean, it really creates an uproar in the city. It, it actually changes the economy of the city. So much so, and I mean, here's Paul, this revival, miracles are happening, they're taking his sweat rags, and they're, they're, uh, uh, they're giving them to people, they're laying them on people, they're being healed. And now Paul looks back on this church, and, and he's celebrating what God is doing. It's the only church in the New Testament that Paul does not uh, encourage to change some things, that he doesn't correct, that he doesn't reprove. This is a great church. But as Paul thinks about it, Paul realizes that there's one thing they need. They need an increasing spirit of wisdom. That's to know the will of God. That's to know the way that God wants them to live. It's the godly application of spiritual principles in our life is really what wisdom is. And they need a spirit of revelation. They need to be able to hear from God, to know the things a human mind can't know, to see the things that human eyes can't see, to hear the things human ears can't hear. God wants to enlighten us spiritually as we go through life. Paul then prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Even a strong church in revival needs a spirit of revelation. Even a godly Christian who loves the Lord needs a spirit of revelation. You say, what is revelation? Well, a spirit of revelation. Revelation is when God speaks to our hearts concerning the situations and circumstances we face in our life. So it's God helping you with the things of life, the circumstances of life, the decisions of life, the problems of life, what to do, what not to do how to handle certain things. All of us benefit from this. Now last week we talked about positioning ourselves so that we can function. There are things you and I can do that can help us. We said number one, obey what you know. Why would God give us his unrevealed knowledge if we're not interested in obeying his revealed knowledge? So if we're not interested in living the word, why is God going to give us a new word? The quickest way for you and I to receive from him is to apply what we know, do what we know. And when we do that, it, it really conditions us for quick obedience to the Lord. 
Number two, meditating on the Word of God. So we're constantly thinking on the Word. We're learning to process life biblically because we're in the Word. We're not just reading the Word, but we're living the Word. We're thinking about the Word. We're talking about the Word. We're, we're finding what God is speaking to us from the Word, and we're drawing strength from it. We're drawing knowledge from it. We're drawing uh, really power from it. Number three, live by faith and not by sight. That we understand the unseen world is a very real world. That the greater realities are the invisible realities. So what Paul counsels us, because he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. He counsels us a chapter earlier in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. We're constantly thinking spiritually. We're constantly looking spiritually. And he says, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Well, number four, giving God our nights. So what we're saying is, we're saying before we, we lay down, I mean, we, I, I quoted you a verse, I think it's, Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2. I'm asleep, but my heart is awake. Yeah. I sleep, but my heart is awake. In other words, God, have your way. My heart is awake, and our hearts are awake as we sleep. But to go to sleep, preparing ourselves to hear from God. Yeah. To say, I'm going to quiet my heart. I'm going to quiet my mind. I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord before I fall asleep. I'm going to set an environment that is going to allow God to have his, his way in my life, whatever he wants to do. And I am going to say, God, if you want to get me up and talk to me during the night, I'm going to accept it. And so the idea is that rather than being frustrated that you'd wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, man, I gotta have sleep, I gotta have sleep. And that becomes a, a exercise in futility because when you're trying to go to sleep, it becomes very hard to go to sleep. Better, better to say, I'm up, Lord, what do you want? Yeah. That's right. Lord, I'm up, so um, let's talk. Good. And just talk to him and be in his presence and let him speak to you. Some of, some of the greatest insight will come to you at night. Some of you have, are aware you've got teenagers in the, in the youth center, and, and we've got a tremendous team, but because we promoted people up into campus leadership positions and, and things have happened like that, there's been a new generation of youth leaders there, and so in the middle of all of that, there were some things in the youth area that we're not as strong as we have typically seen them. So, you know, we're watching this, this whole thing go down and, and um, Debbie says to me, and this is, this is how Debbie, a lot of people think, oh, Deb, if you don't know Debbie very well, you, then you think, well, Debbie just kind of does the women's deal and that's like a fraction of what Debbie does. So um, people ask me where Debbie is and I say, you know what, she's somewhere. She is somewhere doing something. So, uh, you know, uh, outside of the Holy Spirit, she's the closest thing we have to omnipresence. I mean, she is, she's a church mom. She cares about the, the house. So anyway, she's, 
she and I both, we've been out there and, and we, were, we were working through how we, could, how we could strengthen things. So Debbie says, you know, I think God wants me to lead it out there. So um, I've learned at this point, you know, it used to be that would be a discussion and I would say I have to pray about it and there'd be a lot of those kind of things. At this point, I'm like, yeah, probably. So, <laughs> so you know, we, we both know and, and we care. We care about what's happening in this area. And we also realize that, you know, when you have a 59-year-old grandma going out to, uh, you know, take control in a youth center, I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. Do you know what I'm saying? It just doesn't. It's like, what in the world? So through the spring, Debbie is up multiple mornings, 2.30 in the morning, praying, seeking God, writing things down, and then applying it and leading the team and working with him. And it's a, it's a short-term deal because we got a great team. It's just that sometimes people need some, some help that's going to strengthen them and some momentum yeah. that's going to right. move things yeah. forward. And, and so, um, you know, giving God our nights has been very, very helpful for us. And I would suggest that in some of your lives that, that God wants to do things that in your life and through you that the, you would look at it from the outside or from the natural and you'd say that that doesn't make any sense, but then you spend time in the presence of the Lord and he sets his hand on you and anoints you to do what you could never do on your own. And uh, giving God your nights will make a massive difference. He'll reveal himself to you in the night. Number five. Becoming a friend of God. So Psalm 25 verse 14 in the message says, um, God friendship is for God worshipers. They're the ones he confides in. That when you and I are lovers of God and worshipers of God, then there's a friendship that we have with him and God begins to confide in us and to tell us things. That's revelation, God speaking to you, God confiding in you, God, God telling you things. You wouldn't have any other way of knowing but doing it because you have relationship with him and relationship leads to revelation. Number six, we said coming to the altar. I mean, there's a revelation that happens here that oftentimes God speaks to our spirit before he speaks to our mind. And it's, it's in this moment. So as we're here in the presence of the Lord, honestly, as you're engaging in the presence of the Lord, God is, is pouring into your heart and into your spirit things that will come out of you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Why? Because you're in the presence of the Lord. And it wasn't just you coming up with a great idea. It was you being in the presence of the Lord. And because you're in the presence of the Lord, God has placed things in your heart that eventually will come to light in your mind. And it wasn't you, it was him, but it started in his presence. This is the value of the altar, that when we come in and we seek the Lord, there, there is something about that faith, uh, that example of faith, and that testimony of faith that says, I need you, and I'm coming to seek you, and I believe when I come, you're going to do something. So those are all parts of Revelation. Honestly, it's the hungry heart that hears best from God. 
It's the one who really wants to hear, the one who says, I want to know what you want me to do. I need to know. And in that sense, it's a wonderful thing for every one of us to find ourselves regularly in over our head. It's not a good thing if life is always easily managed by you and your ability. Because in that moment, you're not relying on God. But when you realize unless he shows up and he helps you, you're going to be in big trouble. You're going to pray differently and God's going to speak to you because you're seeking him. Well, I want to talk to you now tonight, just kind of a part two to this. These are, these are ways we can position ourselves to hear from God. I want to talk to you about some ways that God speaks to us, the way he reveals to us. So let me just give you several. Number one, uh, obviously the Spirit speaks to us through God's Word. When, you know, the Word of God is one of the main ways that God speaks to us. And there's two ways that God speaks to us through his Word. One is what we would call a logos word, a general word. Logos is used often of, of the written word of God, the Bible. And it's the most common way for you and I to receive instructions, for you and I to, to learn God's ways because page after page after page is filled with practical instructions. And when we do the word of God, and we live the Word of God, and we apply the Word of God, it, it can, when we know it, we can apply it. If we don't know it and we're not reading it, it's impossible to apply what you don't know. But when we do it, what happens is it's God's way of revealing to us what to do in certain decisions. So I was thinking as I was as I was thinking on, on Logos' word and the value of it, when we moved here, there were some circumstances from the church planting in Kansas City and leaving western Kansas, and there had been a revival out there, and, and the result was it, there was a revival across the western part of the state when we were in, in Colby, and the upshot was Colby had a tremendous revival. I mean, the church doubled in size. People got saved. Uh, it was really... Uh, spectacular to watch in a small town. God really touched that city. And um, in the midst of that, there were a number of people in the church that had belonged to the lodge. Now, I don't know where you're at on the lodge, but um, when they got saved, they asked me what to do. And I said, I would quit the lodge. Now, I know that offends some Masons, but the lodge is not godly. Just straight up, it is not godly. So anyway, the lodge came to meet with me. We went through, and I'd, I'd studied up on my, my um, Masonic understanding and just simply said, this is not biblical, this is not godly, and this is not something I would recommend for any Christian to be a part of. Well, they were livid. They were outraged. And at that time in the state of Kansas, the grand potentate who is over all of the state was more powerful than the governor. And so when we moved to Kansas City, um, the bank president told our, our vice chairman of the board, said, listen, your, your pastor's leaving, but you can tell him this, we're going to get him. And they did. They, it was like, if you've ever read this Present Darkness and Frank Peretti's book, it was kind of a crazy thing like that. Anyway, through a turn of events, we come here. Um, 
financially, we are essentially ruined because of their, their shenanigans. And uh, all of which never were reported anywhere, which is the whole thing is just really creepy and weird. So we applied for a loan here. And when we told our story to the banker, very, very honest with how everything went, he said, can you prove what you're saying? I said, I can. I, said, I had letters from state representatives, state senators. I had, I had some people who were very credible who said the Lindell story is true. And so I, I gave it to the banker and we were applying for our, our home loan. And the banker said, uh, as we were going through the thing, he, he, he said, if you answer these questions, you know, honestly is essentially what he was saying. He wasn't a Christian at the time. If you answer these questions honestly, you'll never get the loan. In fact, there'll be a long time before you get any loan. So, you know, I said, well, I want to answer him honestly. He said, well, you know, not so fast. He said, you know, and that was back when credit was hard to get back in the early 90s. Credit was a lot harder to get. So he said, I would like you to go home and think about it over the weekend or at least think about it overnight. I think it was a Thursday. I'd like you to think about it overnight. I went home. I mean, there was nothing to think about. Why? Because what does the word of God say? I, I couldn't help but think of Psalm 15. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. You know, it goes, gives us list. And then it, it says, this, who keeps his oath even when it hurts. So when you say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, even if that means I'm not... Because I'd rather, I'd rather be able to live in his presence than live in a house. So Debbie and I, it was, it, was not, it was not a hard decision for us. I mean, did we want to be able to get financing? Certainly. We have little kids. We'd love that. But at the same time, we were like, nothing is worth sacrificing our integrity. So the next day, we go tell him, hey, listen, do this. And he says, well, you'll never get the loan. And we said, you know what? We believe God's greater than that. Can we pray? So we, I prayed with him there. I said, can we pray? And he's like, oh, I guess. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so we pray, and he is shocked. The next week, we get the loan. <laughs> Here's the end of the story. He began coming to church. I took him on a missions trip. Today, he pastors... 3,500 people in Arizona. It's, you never know what's going to happen. I led him to the Lord in the jungles of Panama, and today he is loving God and serving God. And so, you know, the Word of God reveals to us the will of God. Then there's also a rhema word, and a rhema word is a freshly spoken word. So a spoken word is never to replace the written word. But God often breathes on his word and he makes it alive to us. So what happens is one of the ways God reveals to us, gives us a spirit of revelation is we're going through something, we're in the word of God, and all of a sudden a scripture jumps off the page and it's like, this is for you today. Now listen, when God does that, and I believe he does it often, stop. Who cares if you finish the chapter? You know, some of you are like me, like I read the one-year Bible, and so I've got to keep on track and, you know, all of that stuff. Stop. 
It doesn't matter what else you read. What matters is what is God saying to you at that point. Live in that. Feast on that. Memorize that. Meditate on that. It's God's word specifically to you, energized by his spirit to empower you, to direct you, to strengthen you, to to quicken your heart, to do his will. It's a rhema word. Number two, the Spirit speaks to our heart. So he speaks through the Word, and then he speaks to our heart. And the, and the revelation of the Spirit, as, we, as I said at the start, it can happen while you're asleep. So he can speak to your heart, and you wake up with an idea. You know, like you went to bed, you're facing this problem, you're saying, Lord, help me. In the morning, all of a sudden, you have an idea how to solve the problem. God has spoken to your heart. I find this, I find a lot of times that, that there is a, and everybody's different, but I think it helps us to hear at times how God works in people and it makes us consider if he is working in a similar way in our life. So through the years, one of the times that I've found God most readily speaks to me clearly, his voice is the clearest, in the minute I wake up, God speaks about something. It's not every day, it's not every time, but it is often. So like three years ago, somebody offered me a job and, and they made a big pitch and they were like, you know, you ought to do this and you know, you've, you've pastored and you've shown you can do that, which is not why I pastor. I don't pastor to show I can do anything, but um, that was their pitch. And they were like, you should do this other because this would be really a great thing. And so I was like, well, you know, I asked a couple questions. I wasn't interested. I told them I'm not interested. And, and then they said, well, don't you want to talk about it? I said, you know, not really. But um, so they talked. And they said, will you, will you at least pray about it? I said, you know, I just think there's some things you don't have to pray about. And they said, well, you know, uh, I think you should pray about it. So I, res I respect them. And I thought, well, I'll pray about it. So that morning at 2 o'clock in the morning, it was like 2.08. I mean, I wake up, and the first words were, don't do it. <laughs> I was like, praise the Lord. You know, <laughs> I knew instantly. It was, don't do it. So that morning, I communicated with them uh, and, uh, you know, just said, hey, it's not, the Lord is very clear with me. It's, it's not for me, and I'm not to do it. And so the Lord speaks you know, to our heart, clearly. Sometimes uh, he speaks in a still, small voice. So it's an impression of the heart. Uh, it could be your voice. You know, all of us have an inner voice. And there are times God energizes your inner voice with his power, and it becomes his still, small voice to your heart. You get a, a thought. You get an idea. Um, one man put it this way. You know you've heard from God whenever you have an idea that's better than the one you could think up yourself. <laughs> so like all of a sudden you're praying and, and all of a sudden you get this idea or, or you have this sense or you're, you're, it's like you're talking, you're hearing your inner voice say, you need to do this or you ought to do that. It's that still small voice. It could be as simple as you ought to call this person. You ought to text this person. You ought to, and especially if you can't get that person off your mind, you need to stop what you're doing and you need to do what that still small voice is prompting you to do. You need to call. You need to encourage. You say, well, I don't think they need it. You know what? How do you know? 
but the Lord knows and he's talking to you. Fourth, the Spirit speaks through visions. Visions can come to the natural eyes or they can come to the eyes of the heart. You can get a picture in your mind of something. Some of you are very visual and you'll get a picture of something in your mind and, or of a situation and you know it's from God. Some will describe it. I, I've had some people who have said it's like a movie that's playing over the top of a person's head as they're getting it. They can actually see things. It's like a little TV screen over the top of their head. You could have a daydream. You could have a dream at night. Sometimes, you know, you're going to have a dream and, and, you know, again, this is not often, but there are times when Debbie will have a dream or I'll have a dream. You know, usually your dreams are, are like wild or whatever, but sometimes you're like, there is something to that dream. And especially you wake up, you can remember the dream. You're like, I dreamt this dream and it was, there was, there's something about it. And so I'll tell it to Debbie or Debbie will tell it to me. And, and very often we'll be able to say, it means this. And there'll be a clarity. You can tell it to somebody or you can think about yourself and ask the Lord and God can give you clarity. It's a spirit of revelation. God's speaking to you. The spirit speaks through unusual circumstances. I do not believe in coincidence. Do coincidences happen? They happen, but I believe in the principle that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. They're directed by the Lord, Psalm 27, verse 23, and he delights in every detail of their life. Consequently, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe that God orders the steps of people who love him. I'm not saying the steps of people who are perfect. Because some of you think unless you dot every I and cross every T, and I'm not advocating a sloppy Christianity, I'm just simply saying the enemy likes to have you think you're unworthy to have God lead you, and that's not true. You love God, you're not perfect, you're not what you ought to be, but praise God, you're, you, you're gonna be something amazing as God continues to work in your life, and God loves you, and God is working in you, and... And if you're looking to God, the issue's not perfection, it's direction. Yes. Amen. And God is gonna guide your steps. He's gonna work through those things. I, I will often think, if something isn't natural, it's supernatural. So if you have some, a set of circumstances, it's very unusual, and you're like, this just seems really odd. Guess what? Something is happening there. Either God is at work, or the enemies at work. But there is a supernatural thing that is happening. Remember in Exodus chapter three, Moses sees the burning bush. The bush is burning, but it is not consumed. And he says, I'm gonna turn aside and go look at this thing. He sees something unusual, and it's in considering something unusual that he has an encounter with God. God speaks to us that way. When something is not normal, it's not natural, think of it as supernatural. Number six, the Spirit speaks through a prophetic word. You know what? There's, there's a mistake in American Christianity because we have a very individualistic approach to our, our processing. All I need is my Bible and my walk with the Lord and I can hear from God. That's not completely true. 
that there is, and I don't have time, I, I really probably need to build this out with you, but there is, there are scriptures, Second Chronicles chapter 20, um, there's uh, Zechariah, there's Haggai, where when people listen to the prophets, God bless them. You can't have on your own enough spiritual insight to do everything you need to do. And if you think you can, you're going to forfeit some of the insight God would have given you had you been open to the, the ministry of the prophetic in your life and in your ministry. That there are some things God reveals to the prophets and all of us benefit from prophetic ministry if we're open to it. It's very interesting. Paul puts a premium on it. He says, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So it's a good thing to, to be open to what the Lord might speak to you that would bring encouragement and edification to people around you. So that there are times when I'm going down the hallway and the Lord will put something in my heart. I'll, I'll see a staff member and I'll stop and I'll, I'll, I'll speak to them. And as I'm speaking, I realize it's prophetic. You start, you start what you feel, hey, you know, you need to encourage that person. You start and all of a sudden the Lord takes over and begins to speak through you to them in a way that enriches their life. And you're saying things, you're like, wow, that's, that's you know, um, a bit more than I would have imagined. Yeah, that's good, Pastor. Right. But it's a way of encouraging and building people up and out in the community. God can do that. God can give you prophetic insight into what's happening with, with people, a sense of what's going on and what they need in that moment. And you as a follower of Christ, you have a spirit of revelation to be able to encourage and to, to bless them. Could be a word of knowledge where God speaks to you about something and the result is, is a, a, a miracle takes place yeah. Yeah. where God gives you insight. Um, when I was in college, my, my roommate, he was a really good trumpet player, had a super expensive trumpet and he was cleaning his trumpet and he dropped one of the valves and, uh, on the floor it hit the floor and it bent it. You could see it was like crooked. And he was like, oh no, I'm in so, I am so in trouble. And he was trying out and he wasn't gonna have it and all of this. So he calls his parents, his parents are really godly people and, and uh, they feel bad for him. And they're like, well, we'll check and see how we can get this fixed. And so they're gonna help him and figure it out. His dad calls back about, uh, I think it was like two hours later. And his dad says, I've got a word from the Lord for you. He said, Run the valve under hot water, anoint it with oil, and put it in the trumpet, and it will work. And he did it, and it did. It's completely straight. It's amazing. Number seven, the Spirit speaks through testimonies. This is why, this is why you know, last week we did the testimonies, and we're going to do more of that, because what happens, it's not just you wishing that could be you. 
When you're hearing the testimony, what's happening is the Spirit of God is working through the words of people that are giving glory to God, and He is working through that to speak to your heart. He's revealing to you, I want to do something in your life. I want to, I want to bring my healing power into your life. What I did there, I can do for you. He wants to do that in you. He wants to, to work through you. And so what happens is, as we hear testimonies, it increases our our willingness and our faith to pray for people with faith, to believe God for big things. But it also, as you're hearing the testimonies, there are some of you, you need God to help you with, or your family members, with whatever it is that you need. And when you hear that testimony, it's more than you feeling good. Because I think a lot of times the Spirit of God is stirring and people mistake that for it's just a good story that makes me feel good. And, and while that may be part of it, the, the spiritual undercurrent is that God is speaking to you. God is saying, listen, you can trust me. I'm going to help you. You can look to me. I'll do it. And number eight, the Spirit speaks through our senses. You know, woman's intuition, which I think, I think as a general rule, women are more spiritually inclined than men. I mean, I think after 37 years in senior pastoral ministry, I can say that. It just typically women have a, a greater spiritual inclination. That does not mean that men can't have it. It just means that men need to, to worry less about being the macho man and more about being the man of God, and then it will come to them. Because God wants, God wants that. I don't, mean, I don't mean that derogatorily. I just think guys sometimes are, are too like, gotta be the man, and you can be the man and miss God speaking to you because you're too worried about, about projecting uh, an image of your preferred masculinity and, and people thinking I'm tough or I'm whatever. Listen, Jesus Christ was the greatest man's man there ever was. He was, he was, he was strong and he was tough. But Jesus could sense what was happening in a moment. And God wants to use our senses and there are times we sense things. Um, for some, as you're praying for people, you can sense heat in your hand or you can sense tingling. That's, that's God telling you something is happening. It's not just you. There's times you're in a conversation, you sense something, makes you uneasy, or it makes you sense the Lord, and you can sense what God is doing. There's times that you can sense the presence of evil. You can walk, I mean, when Debbie and I have, have at different times uh, prior to the pandemic, we love to go to open houses and, and walk through homes, or when we've looked at homes, when you're walking in a place, you can instantly tell what's going on. You can instantly tell what's going on. You know if it's good, you know if it's not so good. You can sense it. The Spirit of God is giving you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You say, well, why would God do that when you go into a house? Because you pray for people. I don't have to know people to pray for people. If you, if you go in a place and it's troubled, you can say, Lord, let your peace come on this home. Let your peace come on this marriage. Let your peace come on this, this child. 
something's wrong here. And you can pray, and I believe it has great effect. All of these are ways that God gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm just encouraging you to cultivate it because God wants to use every single person in ways you can't begin to imagine. And God wants to speak to you in ways that will help you in your, your walk with him and in your, your living of life. He wants you to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And it's a mistake to say, well, when God speaks to me, he speaks to me this way. About the time any one of us think we figured it all out, God's gonna say, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't live in your box. I'm not the genie who is at your beck and call and your command. I'm God. And oh, so you think this is how I speak to you? I'm gonna speak some other ways because I'm gonna broaden your horizons. I'm gonna help you. I wanna develop you so that, so that you're, you're equipped for every good work in every situation, amen? Yeah.